The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. Or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. The advice and opinions expressed by the hosts of Autism Live and her guests are meant solely as suggestion and should not be in any way construed as child-specific advice. Any choices you make in determining your child's treatment are completely at your own discretion. Good morning and welcome. If you are just tuning in, you probably were hoping for an Ask Dr. Doreen and we were scheduled to have an Ask Dr. Doreen today. It is Tuesday uh, and that is Ask Dr. Doreen Day. Unfortunately, Dr. Grant Bichet has been called away for an emergency as happens sometimes when you are the world's expert in autism. Sometimes that happens, we know that deal. And rather than show you uh, an oldie but a goodie this morning since it's only our second day back in this new year of 2023, we had a show that was prepared for you for a later date that uh, we were going to do and we decided to share it with you this morning. So we have a series that we're starting here in 2023 called the top 10 tips parent to parent on various subjects. And so we had planned for you a little bit later coming up uh, the show top 10 potty training tips and we decided to launch that this morning because we didn't want you to be without this morning. So I want to, first of all, welcome all of you. Welcome back in 2023. We will have Dr. Grampy-Shea back in all likelihood. It will be next Tuesday. If we can get her sooner than that, I will let you know. I do want to do a couple of programming notes that tomorrow on the show, we are having Lisa Ackerman. She's going to be with us live. She's the founder of TACA, the Autism Community in Action. We're going to be talking uh, about a lot of different things. In particular, we're going to be talking about the impact on families that um, uh, because of COVID and how it has affected autism families. And you're going to see that it's affected them in ways that are, you know, I mean, we're all, a lot of us are going to go, well, duh. But then there are some very surprising ways that people may not be thinking about and what can be done about that. And, for instance, what Taka is doing to help mitigate some of the things that are happening as a result of that. Okay. Um, then on Thursday, we have the fabulous Rachel Bird joining me for Let's Talk All the Things. We're going to be doing a really fun craft on the air and... 
excited to be talking about a wide variety of topics, and we'll hope we hope that you guys will tune into that really fun and very enlightening hour. I think. Uh, then on Friday, there is a rumor that we have a news stories from the spectrum coming on Friday. I cannot confirm or deny, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see if that happens. Uh, very excited about that new podcast. It fills me with joy. Uh, if you haven't watched it, you should know that it's all content by and for people who are themselves on the autism spectrum, which is a thing uh, of beauty and that I get very excited about. So let, let their voice, voices soar. It is a very fun thing. But here today, we're talking parent to parent. That's a, a very different thing. And as you can see, Traven's been showing you some of the different ways that you can interact. We are live right now. Today is Tuesday. It is, I got to check the date. Oh, it's January 10th. We're saying a very happy birthday to two good friends of mine, both Ron and JJ saying happy birthday to you. I always think of you on January 10th. Um, in any case, uh, we're live right now, and you can be writing in your questions. We're going to be talking about potty training today, but you can write in your questions about just about anything. And um, <clears throat> we're live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and a bunch of other places. Traven's showing you on the screen, but if you're listening in podcasts, you may be missing those. It might be fun to at some point check out the video podcast. Uh, and you can do that on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash autism live. But we are a podcast, an uh, audio podcast. You can get us as a free download wherever you get your podcast. You can take us on your walk, your hike. You can take us in the car uh, and tune into all the things that you've been missing over the last 12 years. <laughs> so there's a lot. I'm going to be honest with you, you're not going to be able to caught up. But what's great about it is we're doing shows in the future. And if you have questions, there's just so many different ways that you can write in your question. And they're all sort of different. You can write to me directly, Shannon, at autism-live.com. I, I, for those of you who listen or care, it used to be s.penrod, and it isn't anymore, and that email doesn't work anymore. So Shannon at autism-live.com. Good morning, Michelle. So thrilled to have you here. And uh, you can write to me there. You can still, uh, we, we have a place where you can leave comments <clears throat> on, it's called the live chat, which is not accurate. It's a place where you can leave comments on autism-live.com. And get ready, you're going to see that website starting to change. Um, it's getting a refresh, a redo, because uh, it needs it. Woo, does it need it. Uh, but our homepage is autismnetwork.com, which is infinitely easier to remember than autism-live.com. You can get to the autism-live site from the Autism Network. Just click on the Autism Live icon at the top and you're there. So, uh, but you'll be able to see everything else too because we have a growing library of different shows. I'm really proud of that. When I thought back over 2022 and it was like, so what did, you know did we accomplish anything in 2022? And I was like, look at all we accomplished. We accomplished a great deal. We got all these new shows and more, I hope, um, coming. Uh, but I'm most proud of Stories from the Spectrum. So definitely check that out on autismnetwork.com. Um, and you can also leave comments for us on uh, when we live stream on Facebook or YouTube. Uh, we love to hear your comments. Uh, and you can leave a, a, a question or a comment right there on that site. And if we're live, it comes to us almost in real time. Like I just um, said hello and good morning to Michelle Manley, who's watching on YouTube. So there we go. Thrilled to have the interaction, right? 
so as I said, if you're tuning in late, you probably, bless your heart, you were expecting Dr. Grand Pichet. We all were, but she was called away for an emergency. So in her stead, we are doing the first in a series that we're going to be doing in 23 calling, called the Top 10 uh, tips uh, for different subjects. And today we're starting with the top 10 potty training tips. So these are um, things that hopefully will be of use to you as you start party, potty training. But of course, we have to start with a little bit of a disclaimer. And before I get to that, I want to say, I want to remind everybody that our mission here at the Autism Network is to provide information and inspiration. That's really what our whole mission is, is that we want to find ways to get you information that you need. That We never want to presuppose that we know what you need. It always is better if you tell us what you need, yeah? So please feel free to write in questions and get as specific as possible because otherwise we deal in sometimes um, some generalities, right? Um, but we acknowledge here that every person on the spectrum is different, that there are no two people on the spectrum that are alike, just like there are no two people that are alike. Can we just put it in that, in that category? People are people, and that includes people who are on the spectrum. They are all different. They have different needs. They have different wants. They have different requirements and different ways that they feel loved and supported. So we do our best to be mindful of that, but if we are doing anything here that isn't supporting you or someone you love on the spectrum, please let us know so that we can help to support you in whatever it is that you need. But it isn't one size fits all, which is why we have so many shows now and are growing so many shows on um, the Autism Network. I myself identify as a pony. I am a proud parent of a neurodiverse individual. And um, a dear person that I love on the spectrum recently posted a thing on Facebook that said, parents of individuals on the spectrum are not the same as people who are on the spectrum. And I said, amen, absolutely, of course. And then my next question was, is somebody saying it's the same? I don't understand that. It isn't the same at all. And we never want to make it seem like we think it's the same. It isn't. Just like what you need, if you are a person who is a parent of an individual, what you need is vastly different than what the person needs in terms of support, right? It wouldn't look anything exactly the same. And we think that it's both valid, that we want to support individuals who are on the autism spectrum, but we also want to support the people who love them. And that's really what we're about here. And, and not trying to quantify, oh, is this bigger or better or whatever? Not at all. Let's all be people who love people. And, and we always say here that our show, we start with, our show is meant for people who are on the spectrum, of course. They're the beating heart of our community. But we include in our discussions everyone who loves those individuals. And it is my personal hope and, and prayer that eventually that will be everyone that everyone in, on this planet will love people on the spectrum. I don't understand when they don't, but, you know, that is where we are. And, and so we hope to further the conversation and make that a better reality. But in the meantime, why not support everyone in that larger community, people on the spectrum and the people who love them? So we do a series called Parent to Parent where I, as a parent, talk 
to people who are parents and caregivers about the kinds of things to support them. But we also do shows to support individuals who are themselves on the spectrum, and we also do stories from the spectrum, which is just the voices of people on the spectrum. Not my voice, because um, I don't have a voice in that. My only voice in that is to create the space, to create the space and help promote it. That is my, my only wish and desire. Um, but different shows for different things, different topics for different things. So this is a parent-to-parent -parent talk, but I welcome comments from individuals who are on the autism spectrum. But the, its intent is to help support the individual who is doing the potty training, which would be in support of the individual. I hope that makes sense. Because there's no reason why it has to be miserable. Potty training is um, the ability to be able to um, take care of your own body and to be able to void in a way that is culturally appropriate wherever you are and to take care of that and to not be soiled and sitting in your own feces or in your own urine seems to me um, it's, it's a, a human rights issue, right? I think everybody deserves the dignity to be able to do that for themselves. Now, there are people on this planet that that is um, a lot of people who, th there are people who think that there are a large portion of people who won't be able to do that. I think the research is very clear that most people can be potty trained. And that is regardless of what their IQ is, what their, you know, behavioral uh, norms are, that most people can get to the point where they are able to take care of that aspect of their lives for themselves. I think it's important to bring that up because when my child was first diagnosed with autism, we were just at the stage where we had started potty training before he very actively um, and quickly descended into autism. And I was saying to everybody, uh, you know, we kind of stalled on the potty training and then it, it wasn't happening. And I was saying to everybody, is it ever going to happen? Is this ever going to be a thing? Because I didn't know. And the more people that I met who were experts in the field of autism, the more I was filled with hope. Because when you would say to them about, you know, is my child ever going to be able to be potty trained? And they would go, oh, of course. Like there was no question whatsoever. There was this certainty in them that my child was going to be able to be potty trained. Like no question whatsoever. They were like, absolutely, 100%. He's going to be potty trained. He's going to be a potty trained individual in this world. And I didn't have that clarity as a parent. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not have that clarity. I was like, really? Is that a thing? Is that going to be able to happen? And I remember very early on, um, my child was tall, like a lot of kids on the spectrum. Our kids tend to you know, statistically tend to be a little, hey, Judy, hi, Liliana. Um, our kids, you know, statistically tend to be a little bit taller and a little bit younger, be a little bit taller. That isn't true of everybody, but, you know, um, for a lot of our kids. And, and my kid needed to be in a, a car seat longer than his peers did. So he was taller than his peers and he needed to be in a car seat. And car seats, you know, the, the side of the car seat is supposed to be um, higher or equal to their mid-ear. And when you got a tall kid, this becomes a problem. So we had to go and get really expensive car seats um, for our cars. My, my husband and I both had a car, and um, we, we had to get these special car seats. 
and that had a different weight rating and that he was going to be able to be in for longer. And that in and of itself was a little overwhelming for me. I was like, oh, this is just the beginning of, you know, things are going to cost more. We're going to need special equipment. This is going to be our whole lives. That's what it felt like, right? We don't have special car seats anymore. I just want to, spoiler alert, that's not what happened, but that's what it felt like for me. And that is some people's journey. I have to be honest about that. But while we were getting the car seats and the very helpful girl was helping me to install it, to show me how to install it in my car, she, keep in mind that my son at that point was two and a half and um, he was there, he was strapped into, we bought two car seats, so he was strapped into one car seat, which was sitting next to my car at their loading dock, right? So he was in his five-point harness because he would have been all over the place. Um, so it was, you know, and we wanted to see that it fit and everything, and she was like, just leave him in there for a second while I show you how to do this other car seat. And she was telling me the story of, she's like, uh, I, you know, she said, why do you need this car seat? It's the special car seat. It's so much more expensive. And I told her what his diagnosis was. It felt a little intrusive. Hi, May. And, um, and she said, oh, don't worry. Don't worry at all. Um, I have friends who have a 15-year-old who's on the spectrum, and he's just the loveliest human being. And my heart surged. I was like, really? Tell me everything about him. And she said, oh, he's just, you know, he's absolutely lovely. He's wonderful. I mean, he's not potty trained, um, so they have to change his diapers. And they were talking about a 15-year-old. And my heart went, oh, God. And it just sank. And I went, oh, oh, okay. Is this what I need to mentally prepare myself for? Um, that we are never going to be out of diapers. So if you're feeling that, if you have ever felt that way, um, if you felt that way and you're not there anymore, I ask you to write in and say for the other people so they know it's not just me, but I want to fill your backpack with hope that it, that is not the story for almost anyone. I, I think in, you know, I, so I've been in this community, oh, I just realized we're coming up on the anniversary of when he got diagnosed. Um, which I believe was, so if I do the math, um, it'll be the 17th anniversary of that coming up this week. So, um, right? Um, so in the 17 years that I've been in this community and I've been interviewing people and meeting people and asking questions, I have only met one doctor who told me that they had one patient that took over 10 years to potty train, but that they were able to potty train her across a 10-year time span. And that was one kiddo that there was a hot minute when they thought that they weren't going to be able to potty train her, and yet they did in the end, but it took a really long time. That, and for everybody else, it doesn't take 10 years. And for everybody else, in all cases, they've been successful. So it's going to be successful for you. And it's not going to take 10 years. I probably shouldn't even have told you that story because you're like, oh, no, it's going to take 10 years. It won't take 10 years. I'm going to be honest and tell you that for some kiddos, it's like an eight-month, one-year, let's revisit it kind of thing. It's, you know, it's, it's not necessarily fast for all kids, but your kid is going to be potty trained. So you can stop worrying about if it's going to happen. And now we can focus on how it happens. And how does it happen mindfully without trauma? We don't want trauma around potty training. And it's very easy to make it traumatic um, if we get frustrated or if we, you know, feel like things aren't moving fast enough. Let go of that. Shove that into the ocean, whichever one you're closest to. Um, 
And Reza um, says, thank you so much for being honest about not having clarity if your child would be potty trained, because I am in that same spot also. I think we may uh, be making a way, though. So yes, Reza, I'm, I'm pulling you into my arms, and I'm giving you a hug, and I'm telling you it's going to happen. It's going to happen. But we need to let go of the fear uh, and just focus on the path. I always think about, I'm not a mountain climber, you know what I mean? Like, look at me, I'm not a mountain climber. <laughs> but um, somebody, I, I, I used to do summer theater in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and we would go on hikes up mountains. I, don't, I never made it to the top. But, uh, and they were small mountains that I was hiking up. Um, but I was told, by because I was struggling once as we were hiking, and I was told um, to look up at the top, see the top, and then forget about it. And then just focus on the path. Because to go up a mountain, you can't walk straight up. You kind of, you zigzag and you go all these places, but you are making progress, right? And you got to focus on the path, knowing that the peak is up there and that you're going to get there. I love that for my life. I'm not going to do it for mountain climbing, right? Uh, the, <laughs> I'm just not going to. But I love that for my life. And I thought of that often with autism. I was like, oh, I know where the peak is. I know where we're going. Now I'm going to focus on the path. I'm going to look at what's ahead of me. And then every once in a while, you can look down and go, hey, we've made progress. And that's the key for me. Um, borrow that if it helps you. So anyway, we're going to talk about the top 10 training tips, um, parent to parent, which is why we got to start with a disclaimer. I think that that's where we are on this one. Yesterday, I said there was a disclaimer, and I couldn't find the disclaimer. There. Ah, did I pass it? There it is. Okay. So here's the disclaimer. Um, th this is a parent-to-parent -parent discussion. It's not intended to replace expert advice. They're great experts on potty training. That is not this. This is just me talking with you about what I learned, what I have learned, what I've heard experts say, what I experienced, and giving you sort of the 411 about what it's like as a parent because sometimes they line things up for us and they go, oh, well, it's just this. And they don't take into account what it's like in your house and what it feels like in your body and in your head as a parent. Um, I also need to say very honestly here that the suggestions provided are based on the Fox and Azrin method of potty training. This is the, the thing for potty training. Fox and Azrin um, invented the new mousetrap. Pretty much any potty training that you see anywhere that's worth anything is based on Fox and Azrin. Everybody works on perfecting it and adding little things, but the basis of everything that I'm going to talk about and almost anybody that's talking about potty training is going to be talking about is Fox and Azrin method. Now, if you're like me and you're a purist and you're like, oh, well then why don't I just go look at the Fox and Azrin? Go Google it. There are books, there are videos, there are all kinds of things that you can do to find out the, the ins and outs of the whole method. Um, not trying to be duplicitous about that at all. Fox and Azrin, um, look them up. Lots of resources about them to get the pure thing. And then, um, you know, if you want to do really effective potty training, uh, and you want to do it as easily as possible, I always advocate using experts um, to help you. It's just easier. You know, there's certain things in a relationship with your child as a parent that 
you bring baggage to it. it. You have this very special relationship with your child that's power packed full of things and moments and experiences for you and for them. And it's always easier if you bring in an expert who's just going to see the picture clearly and help to chart the course. And they're going to see the little, there are very little things that can happen that you won't see that they'll be like, oh, you just need to change this. And you go, really? Is it that easy? And then you do it and you go, oh my God, I, I would never have seen that. So um, don't be afraid to get expert advice to do this. Um, uh, yeah, Judy says sometimes you may need the right rewards for the child. Absolutely, we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, but again, don't be afraid. If you are already doing good quality ABA, I say rope in your ABA team and say, hey, we'd like to start potty training. Um, they're going to make it easier for you. But we're going to talk about this today um, from the parent perspective, these tips about what to do. So let's start with tip number one, which I think is vital, important, critical. What other words can I find? Get me a thesaurus. Um, that we need to start when the child is ready. Now the asterisk here is you got to be ready too. Um, and we'll talk about what that is. But first, let's talk about what are the signs that your child is ready? Because different kids are ready at different times. But there are some very specific things. And I just have some of them here. And I'm sure that there are more. And you guys can write in if you know more. But if your child is starting to, you notice that when they pee or when they poo, that they, like, they'll be sitting and playing and whatever. And then they get up and they go someplace else. Uh, they go to a corner, they go underneath the dining room in, in amongst the chairs or whatever, and they squat down to take a poo. This is a great message to you saying, I am body aware enough, I felt something happening, and I want to be alone to do it. It's very instinctual, but it, it does mean that the things are working in their body and that they are cognizant of the things that are working in their body. It's a great sign that they're ready to start. Um, great, great sign that they're ready to start. If their behavior changes in any way before they relieve themselves, that also is a great start. Like if you see kids who start to dance um, because they got a potty or they get a little anxious uh, or, you know, it, it, what it means is that they have an awareness that something has happened. Let's face it, you know, you walk through, think about it, what it's like for you, okay? You walk through your life and a message gets delivered that's like, oh, it's time for me to go to the bathroom, right? Well, this is your kid having that same event. And that is great news because it means that they're aware. And for, you know, if you have kiddos who are not at this point, can we teach this? Yes, but it's infinitely harder. Um, so if you see that they're, you know, they got something that changes behaviorally when they have to pee or poo, fabulous. It, they're ready. They're ready to time. They show signs of awareness when wet or soiled. That, you know, sometimes we have kiddos who don't notice it beforehand, but they'll start to, <laughs> I will be also honest with you that this happens less with the new diapers. And we love the new diapers because we have less laundry to do, less leakage and stuff, but this is a place where the new diapers not helpful. Because it used to be that kids would start to feel uncomfortable because they don't wanna sit, who wants to sit in their own wet? Who wants to sit in their own poo? No one, right? Um, so if you have a kiddo who is noticing whether it's the smell or the wet or whatever, and they're asking you to change your diapers, oh, it is so ready to, 
they're ready, they're ready to be potty trained because it's, it is that awareness that they're having that I don't like the way this feels, which means it's going to be very reinforcing for them to be dry. Woohoo! Fabulous. Um, so if they ask to be changed, hello, Helen, so glad that you're here. If they ask to be changed, um, if they are taking their diaper off themselves, they're ready to be potty trained. I also want to make sure that we realize that giving, the way I like to look at this is giving them the ability to take care of their own needs in terms of voiding and um, defecating is the first step towards independence. That, you know, we see this in typically developing kids that there is a phase that they go through Sometimes it's, you know, for girls, sometimes it's even younger than two. But usually in the twos, we, we get this phase where they say, I do it myself, right? That's typically developing kids. And sometimes it's heartbreaking, but our kids don't have the words to say that. I do it myself. But there is that um, autonomy of I am, I am the captain of my own body. I'm the captain of my destiny. I take care of me. There is dignity in being potty trained. So I, I think it, that it's a great gift that we give our kids, but we don't want to do it before they're ready. If we do it before they're ready, um, it's just that much harder. Now, if you're saying to me, well, I have an eight-year-old who still is not employing these things that I see here, so they must not be ready. I would tell you that there gets to be a certain age, and eight certainly is past that age. I can't tell you for sure because different kids, different things, but eight... I, I would say to you, even at six, if your child isn't showing any of these signs, I think it's time to change something up. Now, it might be that you go to the doctor and make sure that all the plumbing is working properly because sometimes you'll find that, you know, something isn't working properly. Um, that's very rare, but it's not completely out of the question, right? That sometimes kids will have an underdeveloped bladder or um, that their anatomy is slightly different. Um, and some kids are more sensitive than others, right? It doesn't mean if they are, I would say maybe, you know, depending on the kiddo, over the age of six, if they're over the age of six and we're not seeing these things, it is time to look medically and make sure, but it's also time to get started um, over the age of six. But if we're under the age of six, wait for this. Wait for this, your life will be easier, their life will be easier, everybody will sing Kumbaya, it, it will be happier. And, we, and again, we do not want to create trauma around things that are normal body functions. There is no shame in the fact that you're going to pee and you're going to poop and you're going to learn how to wipe yourself so that you are a clean individual and there's no shame around that whatsoever. And there's no shame around an occasional accident. Look, we all come into the world not being able to control those things, and a lot of us go out not being able to control those things. Let's be kind. These are, these are human things that, that are happening to your child. Um, and Johanny, I'm so glad you're here, um, says being potty trained is a true game changer for our kiddos and for ourselves. It really is. There's a, there, uh, you know, there is that thing that I almost feel like you know, the kids are like, ooh, I'm proud of myself. I can do this myself. And they can move differently without a diaper. Um, they, they just feel differently. And I'll tell you something as a parent, 
you feel like, okay, we made it across that hurdle, and then you can take on some of the other stuff. So this is, is really, really critical stuff. So look for these signs, and if your child is ready, then great. Then, you know, of course, you've got to ask yourself if you are ready. Uh, and part of being ready is, tip number two, is to make your bathroom fun. Uh, I really want you to think about this and about the individual in your life that you want to be potty trained because the bathroom can be a very intimidating place and it's full of sensory nonsense. You know what I mean? And you, you, you want to pick a bathroom to be potty central when you're starting. Um, you're very quickly, once you get potty trained, you're going to move to other potties, but you want a potty central bathroom. This is going to be your headquarters. It might be a bathroom where there is also a bath or a shower, but it might be just uh, a water closet with a toilet, right? Um, but whatever you choose, you're going to make that place a fun place to go. If your child has sensory issues, you're going to make it more sensory friendly. And there are ways that you can do it. A lot of times bathrooms are echoey and some kids love that and get distracted by it. Um, you can mitigate that with, you know, lots of stuffed animals and foam and fabric so that it's less echoey. You can put toys in there. I suggest putting a basket with books and toys and even, um, I don't know, now, you know, we have phones and iPads and things, but it used to be that we had portable um, DVD players that, and that's what we had in the bathroom was a portable DVD player and that was the only place that he could watch my kid didn't like color cartoons it was so odd he only liked old black and white cartoons and we had a DVD that had old black and white cartoons on it so whatever flips your kid's switch like whatever color scheme whatever make it the fun place in your house so that they want to go there this is absolutely a critical part of it now, can you go further than that um, and get other things that might help you on this way? Sure. I always think that it's fun to get some really style and underwear that your kid um, will groove on. Like if they, they love Marvel characters, there's Marvel underwear. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, and we call those the big boy or the big girl pants, right? Um, and you can even take them to the, the store and help them pick it out. But let's make this fun. You know, look, we have a choice here. We can make this drudgery and we can make it hard and we can make it traumatic. Why? Why would we do that? Let's make it fun. Let's make it reinforcing. You know, I, I was big into scrapbooking when my child was going through this point in life. And I sort of looked like, like I was like, I want to make this something that would be worth scrapbooking about. That, you know, let's decorate the bathroom, do the before and the after. And let's, you know, let's make this as fun as possible. Sometimes um, people get like there are potty training games for boys that um, for, to work on aim, uh, whatever flippeth your switcheth. Uh, you can go on Amazon, look up stuff. They have little targets that you can throw um, their little, uh, they biodegrade that you can throw in the water and their targets. You could do that for girls too, for heaven's sake. Um, so make it fun, fun, fun. Make it, make it be a place that smells good. Some of our kids are overwhelmed by the toilet itself. And if you find that your child is completely sensory aversive to toilets, because uh, a lot of times our kids um, feel like they're afraid they're going to fall in and they'll be flushed. A lot of our adults tell us that that was one of their concerns. It's not the same concern for everybody, but a lot of kids are afraid of the toilet. If that's the case, go get a potty. Get a potty chair. Uh, we had one that was a throne 
And every time you pee, there was a sensor and it would go dun da da da. Um, there's hilarious stuff out there. Get what is right for you. And if, if your bathroom is so high traffic and you've got so many people going in and out and you're like, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make a, a room potty headquarters, that's okay. Get a, get a porta potty, put it in some place, you know, but know that if you do that, you're going to have to work on gradually transitioning to the potty. If you want to be in the potty, make sure that you have a seat that's comfortable. Sometimes we get a, a stool so that they can rest their little feet because um, they're going to spend some time on the potty. Um, and a lot of times the kids, their, their legs will go to sleep. We don't want that. So um, you can get cushion seats and seats that are smaller, that are inserts, right? Um, Risa says, great idea. I need to get some Humpty Dumpty undies for him, right? And I'm sure... Somebody's got them. If nothing else, Etsy would have Humpty Dumpty undies. Uh, I love that. I love that, that your child likes Humpty Dumpty. Uh, okay, so make it fun. Make it fun. It doesn't have to be hard. Okay, let's move on to tip number three. Know your child's number. Oh, this is where we get into the nitty and the gritty of it. We all have a number. I didn't know I had a number. I don't know if you knew that you had a number. I don't know if you know that your kid has a number. We all have a number. The number is, and this is where the behaviorists love to take data. I don't love to take data, but this is kind of fun for me. So we, we give the child something to drink, right? Mm, I drink. And then we set on our watch or a timer or whatever, and we time. How long is it from when I drink to when I need to use the restroom? And we're going to chart that for at least two weeks. The child doesn't need to know that we're charting it, right? But I think it's great to get a clipboard and because you're going to need a clipboard. You're going to need to take some data on stuff. Um, and for two weeks before you start, while you're redecorating the bathroom, and, and don't spend a million dollars on your bathroom, right? But make it fun. Uh, but while you're doing that and kind of sharpening your pencils and getting everything together, you're going to take data to find out what your child's number is. You might be surprised because your child's number, it might be that they, you know, you give them the sippy cup or the bottle or the cup, however age appropriate skill level they are, and they drink. And we don't want to have it just be a sip like I just did, but they drink, um, a, you know, something. And then we're, we're just going to keep an eye on which means you have to be present with your child. This might be stuff that you really do if you work and they go to daycare or if they're at an ABA center or whatever, you can ask them to take the data on it as well and tell you. But eventually you're going to come up with the number. So, oh, 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 oh I thought I put a thing there. I didn't. Um, so you're going to come up with a number and, and it's going to be an average because sometimes they're going to drink and it's going to be maybe 15 minutes and another time it's going to be 26 minutes. Um, hopefully over a two weeks time period, you're going to be able to come up with a basic average of what your child's number is that on average, and you're going to know my child drinks something. And then 22 minutes later, they have to void, they have to pee, right? Uh, and we're going to start with the pee always before we get to the poop. It's so much easier to get the pee thing than it is the poop thing because the plumbing is pretty simplistic for the pee thing. I did not realize this. 
uh, can I just be honest? I didn't know that, I knew that in hospitals that, you know, they, they hook people up to a catheter and they measure how much liquid goes in and how much liquid comes out. It's not like I didn't know that it, it, it directly uh, correlates to, to drinking. I just didn't realize that it's on a timer and that we all have a number, that if I'm gonna drink something, I'm gonna have to pee relatively at a certain time. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, Judy says, my little guy is nonverbal. He was seven years old when potty trained after three tries, but he refuses to wipe number two and can't bathe. Himself uh, uses splatter shield for control. So many health reasons to consider. Now 13 years old. Uh, okay, well, uh, before we finish, Judy, let's, let's talk about the wiping thing. But I'm celebrating that he, that it took three times, but that he is potty trained and that he has an awareness of his body. But now we move on to the next thing, which is uh, wiping and bathing and, you know, all of those things. It's always something, right? We're always moving the dial and getting to something. But let's remember you got to that. So you're going to make progress on these other things. I'm sending you a hug. We'll, cut, we'll talk about the wiping in a second. Um, okay, but you need to know what your child's number is. This is really Fox and Azrin Central. We're going to know what your child's number is because that's going to become critical to success, okay? So I really advocate two weeks before you start with the intensive potty training of knowing what your child's number is. And during that two weeks, you're getting the, the bathroom to be super duper fun. Okay, number four, we're going to clear the family schedule. This, this is part of you getting ready. If you're going to say to me, well, we started potty training, but you know, it, we were like three days in and we had to go to a wedding. I'm going to say to you, that was not the right time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You got to clear the schedule. And, and I really advocate for clearing the family's schedule and setting aside two to three days. Like we have a couple of president's holidays coming up. Ideal, right? You know, because you got like two, three-day weekends back to back or something like that. Uh, but a three-day weekend is perfect. And you say, okay, it's, it's potty boot camp and we're going to do that. And that means that if your older child has a little league game that they have to go to, you have to make arrangements for somebody to take them so that you don't have to leave your house in the middle of potty training. Think of it like a snowstorm. You're going to take three days. You're going to stay at home. It may not take three days, by the way. But let's give it three days to start. And then in the next week or two, you don't want to have any massive travel plans where you can't adhere to a pretty rigid schedule because you are going to be, you are going to be on a timer. If you want to get your child potty trained, you have to be on a timer. And really, if, if you go the three days and your child isn't getting it at the end of three days, then we're going to ask you to pause and revisit it like Judy did and come back later on. Right, But if they are getting it at the end of three days, then you're going to take the next two weeks to solidify that. And then you know, you're going to find over the two weeks after that, it's going to get easier and easier. So you know, three weeks in, you could go to your cousin Betty's wedding and fly and be okay. All right? Um, but um, you've got to clear the schedule three days and know that for the two weeks afterwards that you're not going anyplace major. Uh, all right. So, and that's everybody's schedule, the child's, yours, everybody's. Okay. Uh, you're going to gather up your supplies if you haven't already. 
I think I put in a list of what supplies you need. You need some sort of a timer. This can be your phone. It can be one of those kitchen timers. Um, it can be Siri or, or Alexa. I, I know I just turned on things in everybody's homes. I didn't mean to. Uh, you can do because I do that all the time at home. I will ask them to time something for me. You absolutely can do that. But you need a reliable timer that you can take with you from room to room. So if you don't have um, those two ladies in uh, rooms that where you know, if you're going to the bathroom and you can't hear her and she can't hear you, then I would have something that's portable. You are going to need some salty snacks that are good for your child that you're okay with, that your child is not allergic to, right? But something, you know, like popcorn, uh, there are, are gluten-free pretzels, so if your child is gluten-free, um, you know, there's all kinds of things that, you know, French fries are salty. Uh, we're not going to be feeding them these forever, so, you know, um, they're, they don't have to be beyond healthy, right? It needs to be something your child wants to eat, but it has to be salty. You're going to stock up on their favorite beverages. I'm going to encourage you, if you're going to do things that have sugar in them, that you water it down considerably. Um, but we want them to be able to drink it. So, you know, a lot of kids don't just love tap water, uh, whether it's that they like a bubble water with a little bit of essence in it, or um, they like a bubble water with a little bit of juice in it, whatever it is, but they need to be able to drink. You're not going to pee if you're not drinking. And the salty encourages it too. And then we advocate here getting long t-shirts because part of what is suggested is that we say goodbye to the diapers, at least during the day hours. And that once you know what your child's number is, um, you're going to see how this works is that we're going to try to catch the pee before they need to go, which is why you need to know the number. And anything that you have to mess with is going to slow it down. What we're trying to do is create a moment of success. And success is your child is on whatever the agreed upon potty is and they are avoiding. And that, that there has been little to no transmission before you got them on the toilet, which means sometimes they're going to start to go and you got to catch them midstream and you run to the bathroom and put them on the potty and we go, yay, you did it, because we've had that moment of success. So it's a lot of people, you know, you have to decide this for yourself, but a lot of people feel like, I want to make this as close to efficient as possible which means you, you do away, for the moment, you do away with the underwear, you do away with the, the diaper, and you put them, you dress them in a long t-shirt so that they have their dignity. They're not walking around, you know, flapping things in the wind, right? But when it's time to get them on the toilet, you just have to foomp the t-shirt and boom, they're there, right? And it's going to cut down on the amount of laundry that you have to do. If you're going to fully dress them and you're going to put them in the, the fancy schmancy underoo, uh, you know, pan, uh, underwear, you're going to be doing laundry. So you can do it that way. You can do it. But a lot of people find for that first three days, you dress them in a long t-shirt, you're going to get to better success and you won't have to do as much laundry. And I think it's better for them sensory, you know, they, they know what's going on. So you need to get all of those things and have them ready. And then we're going to arrive at when it is time to do your three-day intensive, right? Um, so we're going to follow the equation. And the equation is very simple. You are going to take whatever the average of their number is, um, and you are going to... And, and this is where it gets a little bit individual, but let's say in the beginning, that as a baseline, you're going to take two minutes off of it. 
uh, you're going to say that, okay, their number, the, I've, I've taken two weeks of data, Shannon, and their number is 22 minutes. That on average, every 22 minutes after drinking, they will need to pee. Fabulous. You know your child's number. You're going to minus two from that, which means that you're at 20. And you're going to, that's the number that you're going to set the timer for. Now, later down the road, you're going to finesse this a little bit, and you might find that for your child, you only have to minus one minute. Or maybe you need to minus three minutes, right? You're going to monkey with it later on. But let's say two minutes to start. And that's, that's your magic number that you're going to set the timer for. And you're going to say, okay, I'm going to, set the, I'm going to, feed my, I'm going to give my child salty snacks. I'm going to feed them the drink, and I'm going to set the timer for 20 minutes. And when the timer goes off, we do a conga line to the bathroom. The timer goes off and we go, yay, it's potty time. It's potty, 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 potty time. And you do a potty dance. Everybody gets involved in it. And you go to the very fun room or place or throne where they're going to go to the potty, right? And we make that exciting. It's not like, oh, no, it's potty time. I'm telling you, make it a party. Make it a conga line. Get everybody involved in it, right? And not everybody goes in the bathroom, but the whole family goes, yay, it's potty time, right? And you take and you go quickly to the bathroom and you have all your toys and things there and you're speaking nicely to the child and going, oh, you're such a big boy, you're such a big girl, we're going to get on the potty now. We're making it exciting, right? And we put them on the potty and now we set the timer for five minutes. And we are going to hang out in the bathroom. We're going to talk to the child. We're going to sing to the child. We're going to let them play with the toys. We're going to read books, whatever is reinforcing for them. But we are going to spend, we're going to set the timer for five minutes. If the timer goes off and there has been, nothing has happened, that's okay. We're going to very gently take the child off the toilet and say, good job. Not a whole lot. We're just going to say, okay. And we're going to let them go back to playing. And we are going to set the timer for two minutes. And when the timer goes off again, we're going to go, it's potty time. It's potty time. And we're going to put them back on the potty. And we're going to set the timer for five minutes. What we're looking for is potty. And we know it's going to come sometime around here because they drank water and we know what their number is. This is why the number is critical, right? And the minute that they void in the toilet, it is the biggest party in the world. They get the biggest praise. You tell them how, you know, how great they're doing. You tell them, you know, great job. You did so good. You give them whatever reinforcer treat is a big deal for them. And, and they know this is the bomb. This, you pee in that toilet and all the good things happen, right? When they don't pee in the potty, it is a, a non-party. We say, okay, good job, and we take them off the toilet, and we wash our hands, and you help them through that. Either way, whether they success or not, but we don't have the big party. We don't recriminate. We don't shame. We don't go, why aren't you peeing in the potty? No. No, 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 no. It's a nothing. It's just a nothing. We're still kind to the child. We're still noticing the child. We're not ignoring them, but we're just not throwing the party. So when you do throw the party, the party's got to be big, right? Anytime they pee in that toilet, on the toilet, it's, whoa. And now some of our kids don't like loud noise. My kid didn't like loud noise, so I used to have to do it silent. I'd go, yay, you're such a good boy. And, and, you know, hug him and do whatever. You still wash the hands, right? Because um, we're teaching that as well. 
but just by modeling and, and motoring them through it, and, but you're giving them rewards and you're giving them whatever's meaningful to them, right? So we keep doing this. Now, once they pee in the potty and we do the big, da, 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 now we go back out, we go back to playing, we give them salty snacks, we give them a drink, and we reset the timer for 20 minutes. And we keep doing this. And again, the thing that we're trying to create is the Grand Canyon. Like it's little drip, little drip, little drip. So the first time your kid is going to be like, I don't know what we're doing here. I don't really understand what the desired behavior is. I don't understand who you are. Like, why are you so excited to go to the bathroom? They're not going to get it. But they kind of get in on the joke as the weekend progresses, right? And so every time the, the timer goes off, it starts to be something that we look forward to. Yay, we're going to the party. And it's five minutes on, two minutes off, five minutes on until we have success or an accident. If an accident happens, and it can, and it will, um, I know everybody gets so excited the first time they pee in the potty and the child is so excited about the whole thing, and then we go, oh, we've got it now, and then the next time you miss it, right? That they pee before, before the timer went off, or, they, or they, you take them off for the two minutes and they pee on themselves, um, and it's like, oh no, they don't have it. Of course they don't have it. This takes a couple of times, right? So don't feel bad for yourself, don't feel bad for them, you're on the road to the potty training and you just, just follow the equation. When people tell me it didn't work, it doesn't work for only two reasons. Either the child isn't ready or we didn't follow the equation often enough or we monkeyed with part of the equation. Well, all right, now we're gonna change it to 22 minutes. Don't monkey with the equation. If you find that consistently they're peeing before the timer goes off, change your timer number, right? Consistently. This is why you got to take some data on it, right? Um, but if you, but you know, so you just change the, the elements of your equation and go, okay, we're drinking more water. So maybe they're peeing sooner. Or if you find that they keep peeing in the two minutes off, then up it to six minutes on the toilet. Don't up it way past that because um, we don't want kids sitting on toilets. It becomes like traumatic because they're sitting on the toilet all day. They're kids. They get to play, right? But if you will follow the equation for most kids who show signs of readiness, by the end of three days, they're pretty consistently peeing in the potty and they're starting to identify, oh, this is what it feels like when I need to pee. Okay. But follow the equation. And by the way, if an accident happens, we clean the child up, but there is no discussion about it and there's no shame. Uh, we just very quietly, you know, clean the child up. I know it's so hard because we all want to talk and go, it's okay. Don't be saying anything. Don't, don't tell them it's okay. Don't tell them it's not okay. It's just a nothing. We just, we just clean them up. Very, no comment, put a new t-shirt if we need to put a new t-shirt on and we go back and back to square one and work the equation. The equation is what works, okay? Uh, okay, you have to make sure, tip number seven, you um, have to celebrate absolutely every success. And celebrating means that it's meaningful to the child. It's not just your celebration, it's their celebration. What is it that your child loves? 
that's what you need to give them when they pee in the potty. Make it worth their while. And, but also model the success of that you are happy, that you're happy for them. Um, I'll tell you, when people potty train and they don't do it this way, it's very hard on children. When people potty train and they do it, do it this way, you see kids laughing and smiling and they're like, I'm doing it, I, I'm doing a good job, and you see it on their faces. That's what you want to create. Okay, number eight, uh, accidents don't get a reaction at all. <coughs> there is no reaction. And no reaction means no pity, no shame, no recriminations, um, nothing, no discussion. It's a nothing burger at all. No reaction. It's really hard. And you have to be kind to yourself. If you mess it up, catch yourself when you mess it up and stop. No reaction to accidents. Uh, keep doing the equation over and over. It's like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. That is what works. This is why you need to be clear your schedule so that for, and, and, and I'll tell you, for the three days, that's all it's going to be, is you hanging with your child, playing with them, and every, you know, 18 to 32 minutes, taking a trip to the bathroom, focusing on that until you get to a success, cleaning up when you don't, that's all it's going to be for three days. That's what it takes. That's why you've got to clear the schedule. That's why you have to be ready because you're living on a timer. And you're, the rest of your life is not going to be that way, but you've got to put in the time of the three days. And if your child's ready, this is wildly successful, you guys. Wildly successful. And if you need to, like if you're like, oh, I don't think I can do it, Shannon, then now is not the time. Or if you're like, I don't think I can ever do it, and I really need my child to be potty trained because they have to go to nursery school, da 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 i got a reason why they got to be potty trained call in experts. Call in experts or call in a family member and say, I need you for three days. You know somebody who's incredibly patient and methodical? Call them in and go, here's the deal. Have them watch this and then they can do it too. Uh, okay. Once, you, once you've gotten through the three days and if you see that your child is pretty regularly doing it, now it is time to move into the next phase of it, which is to get this generalized, which means that your child's going to be able to go to the bathroom in any bathroom, in any circumstance, no matter what's happening, whether you're on a plane, whether, right? And you've got to ramp up to this. So the very first thing that we do after, you know, if you see after one day that your child is consistently getting it and they're, you know, they're going, I would say if you have like six successes in a row, it's time to take them to another bathroom. If you have another bathroom in your house, take them upstairs, downstairs, wherever the other bathroom is in your house and, and do the same equation, right? Uh, and eventually you're going to take them to a friend's house or your mom's house or whoever's house, right? And then after that, when they're able to do that successfully, and you're going to take the timer with you and you're going to do the same thing at their house, right? Only they're going to wear, they're going to wear clothes doing it, not go in the long t-shirt. And then eventually you're going to go and go shopping, you're going to go up to the local Target store or whatever. You're going to have the timer in your pocket, and you're going to feed your child liquid, and the timer's going to go off, and you're going to go, it's potty time. You're maybe not going to do it as loud in Target. It's potty time. And we're going to go into the potty at Target. Don't do that until you've done a couple of other bathrooms because the Target bathroom is going to be like echoey, and your child's going to go, I don't know what's happening. And for the first two weeks, you are going to have a bag with you that is a change of clothes in case you have an accident, Right? Um, because they're not going to get it 100% of the time. Get your expectations in alignment with that. 
and know that that is, does not mean the end, right? But you need to take them to other bathrooms. If you don't, this is why we have parents who are like, oh, my child is potty trained, but we went on vacation and my child couldn't go to the bathroom anywhere else for a week. We don't want that. Or if we go to Aunt Betty's house for Hanukkah and you know we, we can't use her bathroom, so we end up having to leave or we end up having an accident. We don't want that. Um, uh, and Reza says, it is, is it okay to have them help clean up? Absolutely. Absolutely, they can help to clean themselves. Absolutely. And I would say to you, if you are in a place where you have an older child and the wiping is a part of now your focus, that we want to praise them when they do help. That's the only exception to it's a nothing burger when there's an accident. Praise them for cleaning themselves up. Um, Dozer, yes, booking marking for later. Yes, because when you need it, this will be here for you. Okay, so um, as you move, though, through your life, it really is important in those two weeks after and probably, you know, for a full month afterwards, I, I would say that for probably six months after we potty trained my son, I just kept, you know, I have, I have bags in the back of my car now in case of, like it's raining right now in L.A., I have, I have uh, you know, bug out bags that aren't for bug out. You know, it's like, oh, if we, um, if we end up going um, sometime, it's not even like, you know, during the pandemic, we went a couple of times and saw like the redwoods and things like that. And so I have a bag in the back of my car that has a, a spare pair of socks in case our feet get wet. I, and, and there's a, a roll of toilet paper back there and there are two bottles of water in case of an emergency. I'm saying make a potty bag in case of an emergency and have it in your bag. And, and I'd say keep it there for the next couple of years. That's got a pair of underwear, a, a, a fresh pair of sweatpants, and even a pair of socks in there. A lot of times I carried a spare pair of shoes for my kids in case, you know, they got mud or whatever. Uh, and I say kids because, I, I, you know, I have nieces and nephews and stuff that I would take them. Um, yes. Uh, and... And if, but I said earlier that if you get to the end of the three days and you don't see any consistency, back off. Back off. It's not a failure. It's, it's just, it might take your child longer. And, and it's too long to, to keep that pace up for more than three days for, I think, most people. Unless you have experts who can help you to do it, back off. Say, okay, we tried that and go back to, but I would encourage you to go switch to diapers that are a little less intense if you're if you're doing that um that you know maybe pull-ups that are more underwear like it helps their legs to move and it will help them to to get more ready you know what i'm saying um but but don't beat yourself up don't beat your child up you know physically or otherwise because it just takes longer for some people and um, just like quitting smoking, it's, it's like it didn't work the first time. Okay, fine. Let's take a little break, but then let's revisit it. And, uh, you know, we've had several people talk about, okay, it took three times. That's okay. Let's focus on the fact that their child is potty trained. Uh, okay, so this works across the board. I said at the beginning, if you came in uh, late, that this is basically... Um, elements of the Fox and Azrin. There are more parts to it. I've gone through what I think is salient to parents. But if you want to know more, look it up. Look up Fox and Azrin. There are books, there are resources, there are videos all about that. 
I do want to take a minute. I know we're at the end of the hour, but I want to take a minute because I promised that we would talk w about wiping. Uh, and I want to take just a minute to talk about the poop thing. Get the potty thing under control. Get the potty thing under control to, to the point where your child feels pretty confident and you p feel pretty confident. Do not think that there will never be another accident. That's just not realistic, right? Uh, there are occasional accidents. Have something. I always left um, something at school, too, in case of whatever, you know? Um, but, um, but once your child has the potty thing well in hand, then I think it's important to start to look at the poo thing. And by the way, this is all during waking hours, not nighttime hours. Nighttime hours is an entirely different thing. I think that for a lot of our kids, you will find that once they get really confident with the pee thing, then for the, the nighttime thing, it becomes a thing of they aren't going to want to feel wet, um, that they're not going to like that. But for a lot of our kids, it requires us taking data again and seeing what sometimes pe parents have set up cameras to film their kid to see is their behavior before, like do they kick their legs before or do they get restless before they pee or poo or whatever. They take data, know what their number is, that my child tends to pee themselves around 1.30 at night and they set a timer for themselves and they go in and they regularly wake their child up, walk them to the bathroom, reward them for peeing in the potty, take them back to bed, get them back to sleep, and that that is enough but if you try to do that before you get the daytime stuff under control, you're just beating your head against the wall. Get the daytime stuff under control first. Okay, but at pooping during the day and what that is like, um, I think that once you have the pee under control, the things that I have um, seen work is, first of all, checking to make sure what the consist consistency of your child's poop is. Because a lot of the reason why our kids will have trouble with the poop thing is if they're not having well-formed poo. Uh, there's so much information about this, but you know, your kids should have a well-formed enough poo that it goes in the toilet and you know, it maybe maybe it's in pieces, but it's still well-formed enough that it's not soup. I'm sorry, TMI. But you know what I'm saying? That if your child is having diarrhea issues, it's going to be important for you to deal with that medically and dietary before you're going to get success because it's re the signals that come from having diarrhea are so vastly different from having a well-made uh, poo. But also, it's harder to learn when you're having diarrhea symptoms. So we want to make sure that we have well-formed poo before we start looking at this. And, and look at what they need dietarily. And it's so different for different kids. Um, you know, I, I have one friend who's like, oh, we fed our child pears because pears make our child poop. Well, that's that child. That's not everybody. But you will find that there are some things that will make your child poo and have a better poo than other things, right? Um, but uh, for a lot of kids, uh, it becomes a reward thing that you take data again about, you just notice, is there a time of day, and if I feed my child a certain thing, do they poo, right? Because you're trying to catch it. Um, and for us, we took our child shopping and found, we were like, which toy do you want more than anything else? It happened to be a Lego night. But if you take something that they want and put it on 
on the wall or on a shelf or for us it was the towel bar directly opposite the toilet and then the minute they have a poo in the potty they get to have that toy for the rest of the day and then when they go to bed at night and they're asleep you take the toy you put it back you know into whatever the container is and you put it back on the shelf and it's just an understanding that you get that when you poo in the potty and a lot of kids are very successful with that but you've got to have the well-formed poo before you can do that now let's talk about um wiping and the whole um how do we make this happen there's a great video that's online right now of uh, a teacher and she takes two balloons and she ties them, she sets them in front of her, uh, she's got a chair that's set in front of her students and she takes two balloons and she ties them to the back of her chair and she takes a piece of toilet paper and she holds it up. So she's sitting in the chair, the, the kids are behind her and she takes the, the thing and she wipes between the two balloons and, and shows them that this is how you have to do this. I just think that's brilliant, right? That, um, that it's super duper important that kids are able to see, you know, what it looks, because they're not seeing their bums. This is like, <laughs> perspective wise, they can't see what's happening. And even if we were to say to you, it's gross, but if we were to say to you, I want you to model the behavior, the toilet's there, they don't have a viewpoint of it. So I love that it's separating it out and saying, this is the motion. Now, I, I have seen and heard other therapists who will take uh, a hot dog bun and they will stick peanut butter in the hot dog bun and, and they show wiping it away. The thing I don't love about that is that the peanut butter smells good and it makes it feel like it's something to eat. And then if you've got a kid who's involved in pica, you don't want to be doing the peanut butter thing, right? Um, but there are other things that you could put and, and wipe um, but we want to make it abundantly clear, whatever that thing is, that it's something that we don't want to be touching. We don't want to stick our fingers in it. We want to wash our hands really good afterwards. We don't want to put it in our mouth. So I, I have trepidation about the food thing. Um, but um, there has to, they have to understand what the motion is, and then they have to understand what clean is. And so I think it's better to get, they have the flushable wipes, I think that that's got some moisture to it and and it because we see kids that will wipe and they wipe too hard and then they're like I don't like that I don't ever want to do that again um, so having the flushable wipes it feels better sensory wise have them do that and then you want to teach them that you wipe and you look at it and if and, and if it's we're gonna throw it away no matter what but if it's dirty I need to wipe again and and I need to wipe until it's not dirty and the reward that we want to give is for when they have wiped enough that the wipe is clean. And, and it's, it comes down to as simple as that. And then when they have done that, that there is some ginormous reward for that. Dr. Grampichet talks all the time about it has to be fair. And wiping your bum is not fun. <laughs> Does anybody go, ooh, I love that, right? Um, I don't know. Um, but maybe people who have bidets, maybe it's like, Ooh, I can't wait to do that. I don't know. I don't have a bidet, but, um, but the point is we have to make it worth their while. So if he is not doing it now, it means the aversive of it is so big and whatever the reward is, isn't enough. 
So I want you to think about teaching him exactly what the expectation is. And the expectation is, and you're going to make it as pleasant as possible to do it. So get the flushable wipes. And the expectation is that the wipe is clean. And then there is something that is ginormous. Whatever you've been doing, up it. Give him a bigger, bigger reward for it. And, and then let us know um, how that works. Uh, uh, my seven-year-old is in pull-ups. We tried undies only method. It was rough. And if um, I would make sure to go to the doctor and say, let's eliminate any medical reason why this would be hard for my child. And I'm going to warn you that it's going to be hard because when you have a nonverbal child, they're going to say, oh, it's the autism. Don't let them do that to you. There are issues that kids have, even though they are nonverbal and have autism. Let's make sure that there isn't a, uh, any other reason why he's not able to. Okay? Um, and thank you. You say, I'm, I'm willing to keep trying, and thanks for posting this. Um, somebody said, not touching the flush wipes, just trying now to get him to use them for playing, cleaning up his favorite monkey. Okay. Um, he is always a liquid, which is normal. Uh, we see a gastro monthly. Uh, okay. So I, I think that that has to happen first. If, if your child is only, only has liquid that is coming out, um, I, I think as a parent and, and not an expert in this, I would put a pause on potty training until you have that under control. Um, and I would be pushing your gastro to make that happen because if you've ever had chronic diarrhea, it's not a good time. And what it feels like is very um, overwhelming. And it will take your attention away from other things. And it's very, you can't put a clock to it. Like you don't know when you're going to have to go. And, and it can be frightening if you've ever had food poisoning and you have uh, you know, water coming out of your butt, it is, uh, it's, a, it's something. You know what I'm saying? And if you lived your life that way, I think that that has to happen first. And I personally, as a parent, would pause any attempt at trying to get them to be regular because I don't think it's winnable. Uh, and I could be wrong about that, but I have great caution, Judy, about that. Um, and I'm glad you're seeing the gastro um, for it. But I, I think that the expectation would have to change. But I don't want you to let go. Um, okay, I see what you're saying. Uh, I, I, I don't want you to let go of the fact that it can change. We've seen people who have big gastro issues, that have, and maybe it takes years, but they're able to correct that. Um, okay, um, I see what you're saying, that you've got some other considerations and that you are seeing doctors for it. But then I would talk to them. I think that that warrants an expert and say, how are we going to get uh, poo trained uh, with this issue uh, and see what they say about that? Because that's, um, you know, extra. And sometimes our kids have extra things. So I don't want you to get uh, down on that because it sounds like you're doing everything you can. But for the, for the wiping up, I love having him do that with the favorite monkey. Um, I, I, I would definitely look at that. 
uh, and I'm sorry that I think we're outside my experience. Uh, I'm going to say I'm not an expert and that it sounds like you are talking to the experts, but I'm sending you a hug because I think that you're an amazing parent. Um, look at all the things that you have done and are doing. Okay, guys, uh, we're past our time, and I just want to thank all of you for being the amazing people that you are and for loving the people on the spectrum that you love. And I hope that for those of you who have had difficulty with potty training um, in the past, that you will look at it again and maybe perhaps look at it with fresh eyes. And the hardest part is that three days, and I, I really want to say this, you got to find something reinforcing for yourself to go through it. And I think that having a buddy to go through it, and that might be your significant other, or it might be a really good friend or a distant relative that you asked to come visit. But I, I think it's really good to have somebody to help spell you because it's a marathon, right? It's a three-day marathon. But it's worth it. Work that equation. It works. And I'm hugging all of you. All right, much love to you. Tomorrow, we're back with Lisa Ackerman. Whoo, what a powerhouse. And she's going to be talking about some of the things that have happened as a result of COVID, some of the fallout that's happening for all of you. And, and we're going to talk about some of the things that Taka and others are doing to try to help you guys, because this has been a hard time. You guys are like the greatest generation who've gone through this period of time uh, I, I, I like literally don't know how you guys have done it. You've had so much facing you. We're going to talk about that and some other really important news. And don't forget on Thursday, we're going to have fun, fun, fun with Rachel Bird for Let's Talk All the Things. And then hopefully a new Stories from the Spectrum on Friday. Such a pleasure and a privilege to get to spend this time with you guys. I just adore you. We'll see you tomorrow. Until then, give your kiddos a hug from me. Bye-bye.